Today's sponsor is Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com/decode. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor at Recode. You may know me better as the person least likely to have just been to Burning Man, but in my spare time, I'm a tech reporter in Silicon Valley, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about Silicon Valley's key players, big ideas, and how they are changing the world we live in. Today's guest in the red chair is Peggy Johnson, Microsoft's executive vice president of business development, which puts her in charge of partnerships, M&A, and a whole range of other issues of Microsoft's outward-facing world. When Satya Nadella, the new CEO, shook up its senior ranks earlier this summer, he put Johnson in charge of the company's many partnerships and also has her looking all around for acquisitions. Johnson spent more than 2 decades at Qualcomm before joining the company last year. For more on Microsoft and where it's going, here's Peggy. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Kara. It's nice to be here. Thanks for coming in. Um, so we're going to talk about a wide range of things, but I think people don't know you as well. So um, what we're doing in this podcast is trying to get people to understand a lot of the players in Silicon Valley and in tech that they may not know as well. So give us your background a little bit. So my background is I spent 24 years at Qualcomm mm-hmm. in a variety of roles. I'm an engineer by training. and i uh, worked at different roles program manager and sales and marketing for a time uh, but i ended uh, my last role there was head of their business development mm-hmm. and marketing and also their internal incubator called qualcomm labs right where they would come up with ideas and things like right, that they had a right. very active they did they mm-hmm. did we did a lot of things we had a great corporate r&d group that mm-hmm. fed into that and mm-hmm. so we would try to commercialize the ideas that came out of that group. Mhm. And so you were there for for what your entire career, is that correct? Essentially. Essentially. Yeah. Did you work anywhere else before that? It was sort of it was babysitting and then it was uh <laughs> one internship out out of college and then I started at Qualcomm. Why did you go to Qualcomm in the first place? Well, I my internship out of college was with General Electric and I I'm born and raised in Southern California, went to San Diego State and the job was going to be transferred to Syracuse, New York, mm-hmm. and I just didn't think I could handle no. the snow in the winter yeah, and absolutely. basically just answered an ad for Qualcomm. And Qualcomm's a hometown company there. It is. There. It yeah. is. So, how has that changed since you were there? I mean, obviously Qualcomm has gotten enormous. The mobile phone revolution has happened and they were on in the forefront of it compared to a lot of other makers of of various things inside the phone. Yeah, I mean, I got to see that entire revolution. I remember way back in the beginning when we were first developing CDMA, code mm-hmm. division, multiple access. We we didn't really know where it was going to go, and we thought, you know, it might replace maybe these mobile phone things might replace phone booths at some point and there mm-hmm. might be a million or 2 million. I mean, we never envisioned mm-hmm. that literally everyone would have one in their hands someday. Right. So we got to see that whole rise and we got to also play in the apps market. We mm-hmm. had really the first app store with Brew and we were able to turn that into a um into a business, mm-hmm. the downloading of apps which mm-hmm. really before that hadn't been invented and we'll talk about that idea of people not understanding the mobile thing happening. I mean, Microsoft was one of those companies who was slow to that to that idea of what was the problem of not seeing it. I think in the beginning it was always all about voice and so mm-hmm. people may maybe you know looked at the devices that's a voice device okay but my business is software i do this on mm-hmm. on pcs and so it was it almost uh, snuck up behind them because 
the processor got so powerful that you were able to basically access the internet, start to download large amounts of data. It made, you know, at some point it crossed the line where it, it became the useful device in your hand instead mm-hmm. of having to be tethered. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Qualcomm made the processor, but we were also involved in a lot of the software right. around it right. along the way. Right. And when did you think it became the most important part of the ecosystem? Because a lot of people were dragging their feet feet around and BlackBerry missed it. Microsoft was very late to the party. Um, you, you know, know and very, I guess it would probably be Apple and and, and obviously the, the Nokia and others, but to really where it became a device is when the iPhone debuted, I think. Really, that's probably the, the biggest inflection point. Mm-hmm. I mean, Qualcomm had the store, they were downloading apps, but the, the creativity that Apple put into their store and um, the way that it all blended seamlessly between your, your phone and your desktop Mac, it, it, they just, it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I think really that was the turning point where people said, wow, those things are pretty useful. And then Google came along pretty quickly with Android. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So why did you go to Microsoft? You were here there at Qualcomm. You just get bored. I was, you know, I was never going to leave. It was mm-hmm. San Diego. Right. You know, I grew up there. I, uh-huh. uh, my family's all there. Um, basically, it's a great company, mm-hmm. fabulous company. And I have to admit, though, I was a little curious about the new CEO mm-hmm. at Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And I had just been kind of following, you know, YouTubes of him, um, conferences, things like that. Mm-hmm. And out of the blue, truly out of the blue, I got a call from mm-hmm. Microsoft that said, hey, you know, we have a role that you might be interested in. And I have to tell you, in 24 years, I have never answered a recruiter call. Just mm-hmm. never. I was never going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what made me say, yes, I'll come up. But I was just curious. It was pure curiosity. And I went up that way. I got to meet uh, many of the senior leadership team, mm-hmm. um, eventually met Satya. And, you know, his his vision and his strategy um, to be the best productivity and services tool um, for your digital and your your home and your work life, it it struck a chord. I mean, he talked about being mobile first, cloud first. And it just, to me, coming from Qualcomm, where we were looking at um, how to blend all of that world, it just resonated with me. And eventually, when he asked if I would join his leadership team, um, I, I said, "You had me at mobile." Were, were, you, I know. <laughs> were you worried a little bit about because they were again? I'm not to belabor the slow, but they didn't. They didn't get in in a way they could have. Their phone is terrific, but it never. You know, it was later. Um, did you have worries about their commitment to doing that? I really didn't. I didn't. I I saw a company in transition and a leader who was a change agent, mm-hmm. and I thought, "This is someone I can work for." And um, I mean, to give all that up, it, it, that's, that was a big step. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. I bought a house. We moved. Mm-hmm. We're there. Right. I love Seattle. It's so, the new San Diego. So talk about what you're looking for at Microsoft now, because uh, they have been in and out of the phone game. The Nokia acquisition was enormous, not Satya's acquisition, but it's there. Uh, Stop making the various phones. And where is Microsoft right now? And let's talk about mobile first, but then let's talk about in acquisitions. How do you look at it, your job right now as the person who's, one, the ambassador to Silicon Valley, really? Too involved in the future of what, because acquisitions are going to be a big part of Microsoft's future, clearly, and a lot of big companies. And then three, you know, really imagining the future. I mean, they talk about that, and that's sort of a buzzword that's kind of empty in many ways. But you have to think about the. This is going to be a critical time for Microsoft. It is. I mean, we're certainly in transition. But I, 
decided when I came up, I just wanted to take a fresh approach to business development. Mm-hmm. And really, Satya's um, given me the freedom uh, to have Microsoft be the Valley's new best friend. Mm-hmm. So I look after uh, our strategic relationships. Is that relationships. your motto? The new um, best friend? <laughs> <laughs> I want the Valley to, to, yeah. to look at yeah. me that way. Um, but, you know, we have, um, we've got a great balance sheet. Um, so we're, we're, yeah, lots we're of money. active in, in M&A. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've actually been very acquisitive over the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we definitely have a new view of partnerships. And I think, again, Satya's imprint on that, I mean, obviously, Microsoft has had a partner network for forever. OEMs, ODMs, But acquisitions have been less successful and and more fraught. Well, as they often are at big companies, I'll be fair. And and, and perhaps it's, it's, you know, the the bigger ones that stand out. But Mm -hmm. I always look at those as learning experiences. I mean, Mm -hmm. each one of them, they've they've learned along the way, and you can definitely put that back into your recipe as you continue forward. Mm -hmm. To me, what's most important is that, you know, we stay ahead of the trends, which means being deeply involved in the Valley. So Mm -hmm. um, I go there to the Valley very often. I'm in Mm -hmm. town. Satya's here often. Um, Most of our senior leadership team are, are, you know, running in another Valley. I think, you know, we are, I hope, Mm -hmm. and I hope you would agree, changing the image of Microsoft in the Valley to, um, you know, we're, we're on a transformation path. Um, we're, we're along the journey. We're not completely through it yet. But well, when you have a bag of money, you become more friendly well, looking, <laughs> I guess. But, but nonetheless, I think a lot of people didn't want to be acquired by Microsoft. But And, then, and obviously your competitors, Google and Facebook, have been super acquisitive um, in really interesting ways. I mean, ways uh, and... Um, and WhatsApp and Instagram. They're very interesting acquisitions. Those are consumer ones. But. Right. Well, let me give you an example okay. of one where I think we've done a great job and really this is the blueprint going forward. Mm-hmm. And it was our recent acquisition of Accompli. Okay, so explain they what that does. For- so Accompli does the Outlook app for iOS and Android. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever used it, it's, it's a beautiful app. Mm-hmm. It's um, very easy to use. And along with it came their CEO, Javier Saltero, who's mm-hmm. just an amazing, innovative thinker. Um, and he came into the company. And what we tried to do, and I think successfully did, was bring him in and um, ensure that his creativity wasn't squelched. We didn't mm-hmm. snap him to the Microsoft grid. We said, look, um, come in, keep doing what you do. We want to learn from you. I mean, that's something that Satya talks about all the time. Be, right. be curious, be a learner, ask questions, be a listener. Mm-hmm. And and Javier is now head of our entire Outlook program. So not just an app on... How do you do that within a big corporation? Because that's super difficult to do, I think. I think most It is, and it makes some people uncomfortable. Right. So how do you change that as the person who's making these acquisitions? Well, I think, again, it starts from the top down, that it's okay to change. Mm-hmm. We're in a transformation. We're changing our culture. We talk about culture a lot in mm-hmm. Microsoft. Um, and so we're we're in the process. Um, we, we know we have things to learn. Mm-hmm. And people like Javier, we can learn from. Mm -hmm. And so that has been a very successful uh, acquisition. And so we've made a number of other... How do you judge success in that regard? Well, I think it's it's not only did we integrate the product quickly within the space of just a few months, Mm -hmm. it was back out branded and and back out on the market, Mm -hmm. but we also integrated the team very quickly. And I think... The, you know, the entire team has, again, elements of its leader, Javier, in it. Mm-hmm. So the entire team is having sort of a halo effect on, on the different areas that they plugged into. Mm-hmm. And it's been good. It's been good for us all around. 
And then you did Wonderlist. That was another. Wonderlist is another one that we just did recently. What attracted you to that? Explain what they do too. Very simple um, list, list maker. Maker. Do you use it? Yes, by the it's way? delightful. I love it. I love it. There's something that feels really good about checking the box off that you yeah. completed something. It's pointless, but yet it, it's, it makes a little you feel bit. Good. But I feel so good when I when yeah. those boxes leave my uh, my uh, app. But so what we did there is we said. What are some things that can be additive to office, basically, and continue to make um, that space? Which is your big driver. Which is our big driver, Mm -hmm. yeah, more productive. And so we are looking for um, apps like that, that that can be a a great tuck-in to the existing office uh, that we have in place. And we can bring on things like um, Wonderlist, Sunrise is another one. Mm-hmm. It's a calendaring app. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're looking for ease of use, um, ease of discoverability. I mean, it begs the question, why can't Microsoft do that itself? Why do, why do you think big companies, and you don't talk about Microsoft in particular, but big companies are supposed to be able to innovate on some level. And yet Sunrise is tremendous. Wonderlist is great. What, what, what's the issues within a large company of not being able to just make those things? Well, obviously, large companies are always looking for growth. Right. And I think, you know, you can't, just buy or build your way to growth. You you have to look at everything. You have to look at all your tools, and th- and that can include partnerships as well. Mm-hmm. So what gets you there? In this case, we looked at it. It was a small, fast, light team. It was very attractive as a as a as a um, accomplice to office, and we mm-hmm. brought it in, and it just worked. And so, if we had tried to build that ourselves, first of all, I don't know if we would have had that same. Um, uh, that same perspective that Javier brought in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it might have taken us a bit longer. Right. And then you've been accused of copying, essentially. Well, yeah. possibly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But how do you foment, in, can, you, can you foment innovation within a large company or do your acquisitions really the way you do that? You absolutely can. And so we're, we're taking a fresh look at that as well. Um, mm-hmm. We have something at Microsoft called One Week. Mm-hmm. It's an internal employee program. We actually just finished it a, a month or so back. And basically, it's it's all about innovation, and we ha- we hold a lot of hackathons, um, so people can it, it, actually from all over, not just engineers. So it's mm-hmm. you know you can get your finance, marketing people, all coming together and ideating, and um, we've had some great output of that. We've had apps that have uh, come out of that. We had a hack for her mm-hmm. program that mm-hmm. um, we had about 150 ideas out of out of that program. Mm-hmm. Just you know making products that were more useful for women mm-hmm. and understanding, you know, what what women's needs are and how they're just slightly different. But if mm-hmm. you can make a product that mm-hmm. includes a feature We'll talk a little bit about women's issues yeah. at the end. At the end. But yeah. yeah. So so they so when you're when you're going out and looking, you have two issues. One, people wanting or not wanting to be acquired by Microsoft. Is that has that been a been a problem or not? I would say um, less and less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think you could say that about any big company. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I think Facebook people stand up. They like to meet Zuckerberg. You know what I mean? There is that halo effect that they have as a company in yeah. terms of acquisitions. They don't get everything they want. but Yeah, I think I think what we're sh- showing that we're not saying you have to, um, you know, like I said, snap to the grid. You can continue to have your culture. And, um, and in fact, we're inquisitive about that is um, something that companies see and 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 
and can appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, so it hasn't really been a hindrance, I would say. Right, in the things you're looking at, in the productivity space. In the productivity space We're going to talk more about that well. space and where you, and acquisition. Then we're going to move on to talking about uh, a bunch of other things. Um, but when you're in that, when you're looking around, what are the key things you're looking for? What are, for Microsoft, productivity, what, are the, what would Microsoft be on their, on their shopping list? Well, productivity, I would say um, ease of use. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's another one. If we can make something easier to use, can, if we can make it seamless, if we can make the, the user more productive um, by adding in that technology, then it's attractive to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, our mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more, and it really starts from that. So if we can um, start from that statement and look at a variety of technologies and say, is this going to make someone be more productive? Is this going to make an organization be more t- productive? So it's all in the productivity area. It really right. is. I mean, that's really So you're not doing MSN acquisition, like consumer apps and things like that right now? No, not as much. I mean, Wonderlist to the extent that it's oh, a, yeah. you know, But it's still in the productivity space. But it's productivity. And yeah. again, it's about having the best digital work and life. Mm-hmm. And, and because we're all doing that, you know, mm-hmm. we're always trading off between the two mm-hmm. and what's going to help me um, you know, have a have a better day. And so, it's, what do you think is great out there? I'm going to ask you: Have you tried to buy Slack, which is now the most po- one of the more popular and hot companies out there in the productivity space? I would say we're interested in collaboration. Okay, what does that mean? <laughs> Collaborative apps. <laughs> we'd like to collaborate. Um, give you a pile of money and buy you, or we'd like to work together. Um, well, collaboration is. Uh, what do you think of them as a company? For example, I they think, are the hottest productivity company right now. I would say. I think uh, definitely. He's done a great job. Mm-hmm. He's done a great job. Um, it seems very popular in the Valley, mm-hmm. in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how broadly it's extended beyond, mm-hmm. but I think it's, it, it's got some momentum. It's got some momentum, and it's got a resonance that, um, that, that we're interested in understanding. Mm-hmm. When you have uh, companies that are working on all sorts of different things, how do you adequately share um, documents, conversations, messaging. Mm-hmm. So it's all in one place. It's got a, almost a religion about it. It really does. To get people feel. How do you get yeah. people to do that? It's really hard to do. Well, it's a different way of interacting. Right. And so there's, there's you know, definitely... The only person, people I've seen around Microsoft, probably Excel spreadsheet people, but, you know, they get a little bit religious about their Excel spreadsheets. But Slack has tapped into some sort of something. It has. It's, it's, clear. it's a, it, There's something a bit magical there. And I think... Um, it just goes to show that, you know, communications are, con- the way we communicate will continue to change. I mean, look how they've changed in the past five years, go back mm-hmm. 10 years. Um, so, you know, we, we shouldn't think it's going to stop right now with um, texting and email and instant messaging, right? right. We're, we're going to be uh, working in different ways. And so I guess the difference from our perspective is we want to be learners. And again, we want to get ahead of of what's resonating with people so that we can um, make sure we're in the right space at the right time. All right, we're going to talk about what that means next, but first I must read a an ad from our sponsor. If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is the leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the Internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. I'm about to buy Ron Chernow's Hamilton because I just saw the play on Broadway and I'm really looking forward to getting the backstory of that fantastic production. Audible carries audiobooks in every genre imaginable, business, classics, history, and self-development, just to name a few. 
Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash decode and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash decode. That's audible.com slash decode and get started today. We're here talking with Peggy Johnson, who's in charge of mergers, acquisitions, partnerships, and Microsoft's sort of outward-facing person. Um, is it hard being in S- Seattle when you're when you're doing that? You've been in San Diego and Seattle now, but in terms of interfacing with the Valley, which is really the center, still the center of tech here in the San Francisco area, is that difficult when you're not here? Um, you know, it's a it's an easy flight, so you yeah. can get back and forth. I'm in, talking about in being in the you know, you know, we have a presence and and my view is we need to just extend our points of contact mm-hmm. in the valley so we've always had a presence obviously right but it's we about campus being, we have a campus yeah but it's about yeah. being in the right conversations right. um interacting you know at the right events mm-hmm. and so that's really what i'm concentrating on and 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 growing the sort of the strategic relationship side of of the valley do you feel like an outsider microsoft has sometimes felt like an outsider you say that about amazon and some other companies you know in different places maybe snapchat does a little bit do you feel you need to be here more significantly as a absolutely absolutely and i i felt that way when i was back at qualcomm as well and i was looking after the valley relationships mm-hmm. i feel like it's it's imperative, and it's not, you know, it's really not just the Valley. It's obviously innovation centers all over the world, mm-hmm. um, and so we, we tap into all of those. How, um, do, you, how do you do that? Because it's interesting. Do you, how do you access people here? What do you think of the Valley from away? A, a and you don't have to be nice about it. What does it feel like here now when, you're, when you have an outsider's view, which I think you do? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of my relationships are, have come in through the VC side. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, it's an it, that's an interesting view because I take on much of their view. Some mm-hmm. of the early technologies they see, some of the early trends. Um, I guess what I've seen is is an opening up more. Um, everything doesn't begin and end here in the valley. There is mm-hmm. a, there's actually in, uh, curiosity uh, from the valley looking out, mm-hmm. and I think well, that's, that's unusual. Yeah, I, I I've actually in the last year, just as I've gone in as a as a Microsoft person. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel like there's more of, of curiosity about Seattle, mm-hmm. more curiosity about other innovation, innovative areas around the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that's a good trend. I mean, it's not... How do you think the Valley's developed? Because most people do feel like it's very self-regarding. It's very frothy, very into itself and unto itself. A bit, mm-hmm. a bit. And I think that, you know, if, if that extends, it, it, it's, it's not, um, it, it'll be limiting, Mm-hmm. Obviously, because, I mean, to not look at, say, what's going on in India or Israel or other parts of right. all across China right. is, um, you know, look at look at WeChat, what's going on there. Right. I mean, that's Tencent, yeah, all, over, yeah. all of that. I think you, you would it would be a big miss if if uh, they didn't look beyond their borders. When you look around here, a lot of people, I have to ask you the inevitable bubble question. You know, you're paying these prices in acquisitions and we'll talk about partnerships in a minute. Um do you think there's a bubble, or do you just feel this is the price of doing business now? I think there's a there's a bit of a bubble. There's mm-hmm. a, obviously a lot of money pouring into the the private markets. Um, and Robert Schiller today, I don't right. know if you heard what he had no, to what say. No, what did he say? Well, basically, the economist from Yale said, um, "Yeah, I think there is." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Based, you know, and when he says it, a lot of people went, "Right, oh." Um, 
But you know, it, it's it's been rumored for a while, and mm-hmm. the valuations are. Well, you're paying crazy. the prices, yeah. 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 What do you do? No friggin' way I'm paying that, or do you have to join in? What do you do when that's happening? I think it's all a, an equation. Mm-hmm. Just being my engineering background, it's all an equation. So, you know, if we if if we can buy this now uh, faster than we can build it, it's going to bring in, and we look at everything it brings well, that's in. The right, conceit, isn't it? But then people overpay. It's like San Francisco real estate. If I get it now. Someone else will get it for twice the amount in a year kind of thing. But everyone's in it, so you have to, you know, if you want to play that, you, if you want to be in it, you have to, uh, you have to go with the evaluation. But again, it has to be meaningful to you. If it's not, you know, it, it, you could get caught. Right, for easily. sure. Easily. Let's talk about your partnerships. You've had a lot of them. Uber? Yes. Talk a little bit about that. Yes. How do you look at that company? I think they're fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, fascinating, good. Fascinating, fascinating, dads. good. Yeah, fascinating, scary. Fascinating, good. And I, I like, I love Travis's spirit. I think yeah. he's he's great. That's a kind way of putting it. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I yeah, love it. I, I do like too. That, that street it's very fighter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's a good thing. Um, but I think you know we not have, everybody does. No, I, 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 and I get that. But mm-hmm. I, um, I, I appreciate that that style. He, um, he's an interesting person, and I think what. What he's built is going to resonate for for years to come, because um, because he's stood up to to regulation. He stood up to um, I think uh, sort of a traditional way. We've always done it this way, and he mm-hmm. says, "Well, we don't. You know, we're going to do it this way now." Mm-hmm. And I I, I I like that. And we've partnered with him um, in a couple ways. We. Uh, have are integrating with him right now on office, mm-hmm. so it'll be great it's, as part of your calendar. If you've got a meeting coming up, mm-hmm. we can pop up a notice that says, "Hey, you're going to be late if you don't maybe book your Uber right now." And mm-hmm. so we've, which is sort of a natural thing anyway, right? right you're doing right. that anyway. You're right. looking at when your next meeting is. Do I have to get my my Uber? Um, but we've also uh, partnered with him on our some mapping assets right. that we have um, with some imagery acquisition. Um, and about a handful of engineers that went along with that. Mm-hmm. And we transferred that to them because it really made a little more sense. We, right, it's well, not trying to get into men. They can't depend on Google, can they, in a lot of ways? Yeah, I mean, so That's it's made more sense in, in sort of in for them. And we're going to concentrate on the higher levels of mm-hmm. mapping and Bing Maps and sort mm-hmm. of the user uh, interface rather than the core asset down below. And so you'll see us doing more of that, more I think, that. Uh, going What's the forward. end game for you there as a partnership with Uber, just to be integrated and in making your products better? Yeah, because I think we, again, people were doing both actions separate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were saying, oh, I'm late for my meeting. I need to get an Uber. And so to put them together and to make their life more productive by not having them have to jump in and out of an app um, seemed like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Would you guys have an investment in them? No. No. Correct? A larger investment. Um, we haven't you spoken haven't. publicly about that. Ah, well, do you? We haven't said anything publicly. All right, so that means yes. Uh, okay, so um, Yahoo. Yes. The Yahoo. problematic Yahoo relationship. <laughs> I actually, okay, so, you know, right. I, don't, I don't have any you don't history. Have, oh, yeah, okay, you just I'm got here. You just I'm got here. here at Microsoft. But yeah. um, I actually very much enjoyed working with Yahoo, yeah. with, uh, with Marissa and her team. Um, you know the relationship was challenged mm-hmm. when I came came in, mm-hmm. and basically, you know, my team and I sat back and said, "Okay, it, it, it's probably better to write this mm-hmm. than to let it, you know, yeah. fly off the reservation." So we sat down with um, their team, 
And we just worked through things, and we renewed our agreement with them. Right. It changed, though. Explain what's different. It did change. Um, we both, we each uh, sell our ads. So we, mm-hmm. Microsoft, now exclusively sell Bing ads. They sell Gemini ads. And they send um, now, the commitment is at, at a minimum 51% of their traffic mm-hmm. our way. Um, but that's, you know, it could be anything in that range in between. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But basically what it did is it gave uh, really both of us a little more flexibility in mm-hmm. areas that were, you know, at times a little uncomfortable. What wasn't working? Well, I think maybe what was working five years ago as time went on, mm-hmm. you know, and, and with each of us having different ambitions. And, and I mean, 10, 10 years is a long time, right. right? So five years in, I think we just went back and reassessed and said, can we put this into a better spot? Mm-hmm. And so we both both sides feel good about where it is now. And it actually, again, just going back to how deeply I feel about relationships, I think if you can um, look at areas of collaboration, understanding there might be areas of competition, but if you focus on the areas Such of collaboration... Such as her Yahoo getting into search. Yeah. And so if... if even it though seems we like may, a pipe dream to me, but whatever. Well... Everybody has their dreams. Everybody has their dreams, absolutely. Yeah. And so if we can collaborate in some areas... Um, and maybe grow on grow that collaboration. So we've had discussions about all sorts of things. You know, I won't go into it here, but it's nice to be able to have them, right? Yeah. You know, instead of being challenged and not not being able to say. I like your word challenged for fighting. <laughs> it's nice. I like it was challenged. Um, I should do that with my kids. You were challenging me. Um, so <laughs> a good word. Uh, I want to talk about a couple more things before we go. Um, Apple. Apple. How's your? Do you, you conduct that relationship too? So we have a. A, a good relationship with Apple. Mm-hmm. We were just um, on on stage with them again. Mm-hmm. I think we looked for areas of collaboration, mm-hmm. um, and we were thrilled to 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 be with them. Um, mm-hmm. Was it just last week? It yeah, seems like just, just, yeah, yeah, earlier just this just week. Last. Yeah, and uh, and so uh, again, I think you'll find that same pattern. You know, mm-hmm. you can name anybody. Salesforce, right? Mm-hmm. We we at, at one time were almost arch enemies, mm-hmm. and um, not almost. Pretty, pretty much in that camp. Yeah. And now we have Satya is a keynote mm-hmm. um, at Mark's uh, right, Dreamforce this, this week. This week. So, yeah. so t- I want to get back to Apple, though. Do you want to uh, become the search, uh, the, the default search on the Apple iPhones? Well, we already provide. Uh, you do provide search, but Google search still already. remains. Yeah, default. Siri and Spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're in there for sure. We're in there, yeah. Um, and, you know, right? That, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we just concentrate on on being good partners right now mm-hmm. and and you know showing what we oh, can well, that do. That would be a big victory, I suspect. Yeah, I think we um, you know we we provide we've we provide search for several companies right now. Just mm-hmm. over the last year, um, AOL mm-hmm. is another one. Right. Um, we have Amazon's Fire mm-hmm. platform. Um, so we've we've we're definitely picking up. Uh, and last here and partner there. Google. How do you have you been partnering with them or do, not yet? Um, you know, again, I think we look for areas of collaboration. Okay. Um, and have you had uh, coffee yet? Has, <laughs> what area of collaboration have you done? Is there any? Um, we we talk. Obviously, we're both kind of in in the right. same space. Um, our apps are running on on Android. Yep. Sure. <laughs> which has been good. We've had over now. Well, between iOS and yeah. Android, over 150 million downloads. Yeah. yeah. Of out of. Well, uh, they do have that phone system. Mobile. Yeah. Yeah, they've got a great system there. Yeah. So we, you know, we we find areas. You know, maybe uh, they're not as broad as some mm-hmm. of the other names that you mentioned, mm-hmm. but um, but it's been good. Mm-hmm. So I want to finish up just quickly talking about sort of um, 
not just it's the diversity issue in Silicon Valley. Avi Satya got in a little trouble with some of his statements. He quickly corrected, very uh, uh, boldly corrected them. Um, how do you look at that? Do you think about that when you're doing these acquisitions? Do you think about the broader uh, Silicon Valley? You're just thinking of like making deals, kind of thing. No, I. I mean, particularly me being a woman in engineering, yes, I it's yeah. kind of yeah. crazy. Um, we absolutely do, and I, I would say, you know, since. The Grace Hopper moment. Mm-hmm. Um, we have had, we'd already had a focus on diversity and inclusion, mm-hmm. but we really have upped our game in that space. And I would say probably a week doesn't go by at our senior leadership team where we don't talk about some aspect of it. It is front and center, front and center. And we talk about, um, you know, better recruiting, better retaining. Um, we talk about our products being more diverse and 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 building the product from the get-go for the largest group of mm-hmm. individuals mm-hmm. and um you know we we haven't always done that and so we we're definitely what's the problem from your person being a woman engineer being what is the problem is it just lack of paying attention is it actual out and out misogyny or in or lack of interest in diversity or what is the do you mean the problem in why we don't have more women or or all diversity it's what is the issue do you think you know i'm not asking for the solution because i don't know what it is either yeah i mean it's it's a tough one clearly but i think um just raising the awareness which has been a big topic obviously over the last several years but i I just when i look at my own stumbling into engineering i mean there weren't the programs like there are now the stem programs trying to get young girls by fourth grade um, to keep them on a math and science course none of that was happening when i was you know coming up through grade school and high school i had great math and science no one ever said to me have you ever thought about engineering Mm -hmm. so i went off to san diego state as a business major right thought that's what i should be doing and um, I was delivering, I had a job on campus, I was delivering mail, and I happened to deliver one day to the engineering department, and the administrative assistants heard me coming down the hallway, because they could tell it was a woman's walk, and when I came around the corner, they said, a woman, are you, are you here to sign up? And yeah. I said, no, I'm just here to deliver the mail. And uh, they thought I was coming down to sign up for engineering, and they said, well, do you know anything about engineering? And I said, yeah, I don't even know what they do. No right. one has ever really told me. Yeah. And they sat me down and um, talked me into changing my major. I changed my major the next day. Wow. That's, I mean, that so it's the these moments, serendipitous yeah. moments where your entire life changes. And, and it shouldn't be so serendipitous. It should be, it should just be, that's a great career for everybody. Yeah. We need them. Yeah. Last question. Is it a different Microsoft? Can people in the Valley think it's a different, a seriously different, or is it out of, oh, no, we're going to get screwed if we don't keep up kind of thing. What's the motivation? It's absolutely different, Microsoft. And I think I'm hearing from the partners that I talk with that say they're seeing the change, they're noticing the change. One of them, the other day, I I happened to be at their offices, and we had a conference call with Satya, a video call. He was in Redmond, and I was on the East Coast. And and they had this great rapport going back and forth. and, And when the screen went dark, they... The gentleman turned to me and said, wow, that's the new Microsoft. Yeah. Well, that's not a bomber moment, is it? Yeah. <laughs> so he's a little different than Steve Bomber. But aren't we all? Um, <laughs> Peggy, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You liking Seattle? I love it. Really? I love it. I yeah. do. I yeah, do. You worried about the earthquake and volcanic eruption? No, and I came from an earthquake there. area. Yeah, so I know, but didn't I'm that story that. appear that you're it devastated <laughs> right when you yes. moved there? Yeah. Good luck. Thank you. Good Thanks, luck with Karen. that. Thanks appreciate a lot, it. Peggy. 
Thanks, Peggy, for another great conversation. As always, next week we will have a very special uh, episode with Lena Dunham and Jenny Connor, co-creators of the hit HBO show Girls, who will be talking about a really exciting project they're announcing soon around a newsletter called Lenny.com. But they talk about a lot of other things, including how difficult Twitter has become for Lena uh, around a lot of controversial issues, which she dives into a lot of the time. Anyway, thank you so much, Peggy. Thank you, Karen. Please come again. And now on to Too Embarrassed to Ask. Today's segment is brought to you by Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com slash decode. Facebook, Google, and Twitter are all working on Instant Articles, a new media format that might change how you get news on your mobile device. Here to explain what that means is Lauren Good, senior editor at our sister site, The Verge. Welcome, Lauren. Hey, Kara. How's Thanks it going? for having me. It's going no well. No problem. So we're talking about instant articles. Can you just explain what the heck it is? Because I just don't understand it myself. <laughs> sure. It's very inside baseball, but yes. I think it's still interesting to a lot of people. Uh, basically, it's an effort to make it a lot easier for publishers like us to um, you know, distribute and make our stuff easier to read on mobile devices. Mm-hmm. So it's this idea that um, instead that mean? of instead of just publishing it to Recode.net or mm-hmm. TheVerge.com, and then go to our site and click. You go to your site and click on your mobile phone. We've all been there where we've waited f- several seconds or sometimes a minute Good God. for a story to load to the point where maybe even someone just navigates away from it. They get tired mm-hmm. of waiting, and that doesn't do us any good or our advertisers any good. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a way to, for articles and ads to instantly load on a mobile device because these tech companies like Facebook, like Host Google, like Twitter will be hosting the articles. All right. Now, why would I, as a publisher, want to let them do that? Because it seems like they own every little bit of the... <laughs> the... It's a great question. Yeah. So well, if you're me. a publisher... Explain to me, Google representative Lauren Good, why that would be the case. <laughs> right. Well, Google's also taking a slightly different approach maybe than a couple others and it's all still so new that we're not all right explain facebook's because that's the most aggressive so far okay so um facebook basically you like we would make an instant article and we would we would we would make an article we make stuff we make Mm -hmm. content we would write an article and presumably it would be wonderful and informative Mm -hmm. and then we would um work with facebook to optimize it for an instant article format on Facebook. And if someone was, let's say a news consumer was on Facebook and they were in the instant article section, our article would appear in that Facebook instant article section of the mobile app. When Mm -hmm. they clicked on it, it would load immediately. Right. So with the... It's making it easier for them to read. It's making it easier for them to read. And what these, uh, if you want to call them platishers, I know it's an ugly word, but like... What? It's a publishing platform, platform publisher. You can't say that ever again on the show. (laughs) I think I just got kicked off Recode Radio. (laughs) I'm never invited back. So if you're you're a Facebook, you might argue that, hey, we're making your content look really good. We're making it uh, really fast to load. And so your readers are getting a great experience. We're giving you 100% of the ad revenue that you sell Mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. If we sell it, we're going to take, you know, a 30% cut. But if you sell it, you get 100% of the ad revenue. Today. And oh, by today. And oh, by the way, a lot of publishers are using us as a key distribution platform anyway. If you look at things like 
uh, you know, BuzzFeed, for example, has made no no bones about the fact that they they consider themselves sort of platform agnostic. They distribute their stuff to a bunch of different places. They just care about people getting the BuzzFeed experience no matter where it is. If you're already doing that and then a platform like Facebook says, hey, we'll optimize it for you, mm-hmm. it may seem appealing. Right. But you always do worry about, I guess you'd call it the Zynga effect. So they essentially want to be as promiscuous as possible. In some ways, yes. Yeah. In some ways. I mean, I, I think BuzzFeed has been very open about the fact they've spoken mm-hmm. about this at our own code conferences, yeah. code conferences, that very little of their traffic comes direct to their homepage. And then Google and Twitter are doing it in a different way. Similar but different. We don't know exactly how they're doing it yet because Recode has just reported that um, yes, Google and Twitter are working on this. That was a big story, and I mm-hmm. highly recommend that um, if you're interested in this, you go check it out on Recode. They haven't hammered out the business terms yet. Um, it's probably going to be similar in that... Uh, you know, they, they'll let publishers keep the majority of ad revenue for the stuff that they sell. But Google has taken a slightly different approach, I think, in that what they're going to do rather than have a specific platform that people go to to read these articles, they'll mm-hmm. probably just cache the web page so that when you go to click on it on a mobile device, it'll be fast. you're still going to the publisher, but it's going to load super I quickly. I Interesting. So they're, try- they're really trying to just help us, right? Yes. Well, you know, soon, they say, it's them and the government says we're here to help. <laughs> you know, you should run the other direction. All right. At JS, J. Spice. Uh, where does Facebook's instant article share point to? Direct to publisher site or back to instant articles? This is a very good question because one thing I hear a lot from consumers, and Walt Mossberg and I have talked about this too, is when you're in Facebook mm-hmm. and you try to share a story just in your regular Facebook newsfeed with a friend, I mean, what are your options? Mm-hmm. You go share and you have an option to share it on in Messenger mm-hmm. or you have an option to share it like to your own options, newsfeed yeah. or you have an option to copy link. There's no really great like send to send to iMessage mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or tweet out, you mm-hmm. know, and so the, Facebook really tries hard to like, keep you yes. in their yes. in their app yes. with um, with the instant articles that I've experienced so far. It will actually share to outside sources. So if you're reading an instant article on Facebook, and let's say it's a Verge article, you mm-hmm. can share it to um, email, Twitter, Messenger. Um, and I think as well, th- like Facebook has worked on integration with Comscore and Google Analytics to make sure so that the publisher is still yeah. getting traffic from that right. as well. So for the most part, it feels like a pretty clean share experience. Okay. All right. So we'll see. Um, I think they're just going to eat us eventually. All right. I, I'm very By the way, Apple's doing this as well with yep. Apple News. Yes. Well, mention that. Apple's so another. We're... Apple is another one that is, they've created an Apple News app that's mm-hmm. running on iOS 9, which is brand new. So not everyone's um, using it yet. But right. it's basically a dedicated news app. And publishers have to work with them to we have optimize to work with their content. All we do is work with people. That's right. We just we give it away. We write articles Cara. anymore. We just give it away. I know. We do. We don't write. We have time to do nothing. We All we do is format for other <laughs> platforms. But anyway, I'm just being an old grumpy lady. <laughs> um, at Ben Sterno. Ha ha. This is my favorite one. Where does Snapchat's <laughs> Discover fit in here? Instant articles for old people, Discover for under 25. <laughs> so Snapchat's also doing this, and it's pretty straightforward what they're doing. I, I think I'm officially old, according yeah. to Ben Stern. Oh, yes, you are. Uh, yeah, so Snapchat Discover. We've talked about this on Recode Radio before, mm-hmm. too. That was a fun episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but Snapchat Discover, they have content partnerships with these you know, media outlets, and they're making these fun little snips, snippets of video and text that you would get in Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Um he may have a point. I mean, Snap, we've reported before that Snapchat's audience tends to air 
very young. And they're more right? su- they're actually young. the discovery is more substantive. You get a real taste of those articles. They get quite a it's like a billboard almost. It's a video billboard. It way. is pretty fun stuff. It's pretty it, it, So explain what Snapchat does. You click on the Discover feature. You they cl- have let's say you click partners. on uh, you know Nat Geo or ESPN or Cosmopolitan magazine and they have only give a certain like, number of partners, not everybody. Yes, not everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget what the exact number is, but it, it's a it's a healthy amount right now. And you um and they'll show you a little video and it might not be the longest video or they'll show you an excerpt from an article mm-hmm. and it, it's not going to be maybe the the full experience you it's would have on heavy, the web though. and it, it is video heavy buzzfeed does some fun stuff for discover as well um and yeah i mean they say they've said their engagement is really is and really then it clicks into high. the articles then you can see the whole thing and and then uh I, yep. can you can yes, you, you see can. the whole thing i use snapchat oh, see, lauren because i'm a young person I, do. I don't know if you know i've done that thing where you like take a screen grab in the middle mm-hmm. of a buzzfeed video and then it tells you like what your spirit animal is and no. really really substantive stuff like that no now geo actually has some great they have some great I stuff and I, I do consume that way my kid is on yes. snapchat so he's, you continually try to snapchat me which i wish you would stop uh, but <laughs> I'm not. I'm never stopping. I'm never giving up. Well, I think what this what Ben is asking is whether or not young young people people are getting their news on Facebook or and or Apple and or Google, and then the youngsters go on Snapchat. This is the world everyone's getting into. This, in other words, they are all going to do it. Sharing their content elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. We are so screwed. I don't know the answer to that, Ben, but I will say Pew put out a report earlier this summer that says four in ten U.S. adults now get their news on Facebook. So if you look at it as like there, there's probably some truth anecdotally to people of a certain uh, demographic or age group getting their news on Facebook versus Snapchat. Yeah, I think they do. I think they do. I think a lot of people, most of it is silly, but y- you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can see the quality of what it is. Um, I mean, I know I'm complaining, but most of the stuff that works is, you know, like a squirrel. Well. Not, there's a squirrel. There's a nut. There might be a cat. And stuff like See, that. what would you be without this? In your or, life? or it's the most. It's interesting because we just put up a video with lots of words on it, and it worked more, better than another way to do it. It's you, you, there's tricks and stuff like that when you have to get people's attention as they scroll past you on the newsfeed. Absolutely. All right. Uh, next question: Wouldn't much of the bandwidth be wasted on these articles if people don't read them? Hmm. I'm not quite sure if this person means bandwidth as an actual yeah you know, actual. what are we doing here lauren bandwidth that's that's or saying. our yeah. our efforts yeah um the, so no my answer is no because it because i mean granted it does take some time for publishers to strike these content partnerships with companies in a way that is mutually beneficial um and sure i mean if you're if you're formatting an article for a different platform in addition to your own then that Obviously, it takes time. But I think it comes back to what I said earlier, where more and more publishers are recognizing the value of putting their stories and their videos on just the places where the eyeballs are. Mm-hmm. Right. You look at YouTube, you look at Facebook, you look at Snapchat. And so if you're going to be doing that anyway... Um, Except it's not, they're different. Each, you know, it's not like the internet where you just put it on the internet, which was one system. This is nine systems. And I think it's really interesting, the fragmentation of these platforms, whatever the word you were just using that you can, may not repeat again. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> you can say it one more time. That's it. Platishers. Platishers. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, there's like nine different systems. It's, it's sort of like Betamax and, and VCR all over again. And the internet used to just be you just published to a website, which right. is a really interesting to see what's happened here. Yeah. You have to format them specially for Snapchat or Facebook or anybody else. Right. And I think, um, you know, Google is is different so far in, in what we know about their approach to instant articles. But uh, if you look at 
you know, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, they, they sort of ha- would have a vested interest in keeping you within their application. Yeah. Where Google, you know, having mastered search is, um, and for many people, sort of synonymous with this idea of the web. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are using Google to search for news all the time anyway. And so um, I think it's really going to come down to not just who offers the fastest load experience and for publishers, like who gives the best, you know, um, rev share for, mm-hmm. for advertising dollars, but I think it's also going to come down to how open is this experience? Right. Because nobody wants to feel as though they're trapped in a they platform can't share. when they they're trying share. to share articles. Right. I'm, I'm betraying my age, but AOL did this a long time ago. Kept publishers what on their site. What did they call it? They just, oh, it was just their just, site. They just, they just published mm-hmm. onto their site. And initially they were offering them free. You know, you get to keep all your advertising. And then they started to charge them. What, did they, what were they charging? Different prices to be on there because that's where all the traffic happened to be at that time. And then, of course, that dried up. But it was... It was this, it was not I, I have feelings of the, of deja vu. So this was when AOL when people were ascendant. primarily using it yeah, as it was like a Facebook. dial up portal. Yeah, it was a Facebook. It yeah. was Facebook. And so everybody was living in there. So they different publishers published their news on, on AOL in their format. I forget what it was. They had a horrible name for it. Um, mm-hmm. and then it then the audience went away. So how do you see this shaking out, these this instant article? I think this a, is all relatively nascent. I think it's probably a waste of publishers' time, probably, but there is no other choice. I think mm-hmm. it's hard to find readers these days, and how do you capture them on mobile platforms, and how do you capture their eyeballs, and how do you keep them going? I think it's tough. I think the front page is dead, and uh, and the idea of the front page, whatever from digital front page or a real one, and so I think it's really going to be a tough to know where this is going to shake out. The web seemed to solve a problem, but you know, and Google helped that by being the search mechanism, but now it's everywhere. So let's say you were running uh... Recode. Well, you are running Recode, but let's <laughs> say you were, um, you know, not so entrenched in tech right. and didn't, you know, and I wouldn't know what to do. Else. I would change my job and would you, <laughs> become something else. If you, had to, if you had to rank the platforms for which one? Probably Facebook. Hmm. Probably Facebook. And I'd dumb myself down a little bit. Um, then Google. Then possibly Snapchat, depending on my audience. And then Apple, too. I'd have to be everywhere, which is really tiring and exhausting, I think, to do well. Mm-hmm. You know, and also make great content. I think it's a, tr- a trouble, a difficult time for publishers for me in these it is. things. Absolutely. And I think con- I think consumers are going to be a little confused by it too. And I mean, we'll get from into a production perspective, pr- production production perspective, now when when we are making stuff, we say, okay, let's uh, let's we're going to run this article, and then we should do a video to go along with it. And oh, should we cut a social video? We should probably yeah. cut a social video. I know. Have that one be fifteen seconds shorter, but then we should have one that's just fifteen seconds, maybe for Instagram. Right. Then we should have one that's a little bit shorter for Snapchat, yeah. and then it does end up getting a little bit labor intensive. And along the way, it's it can be very easy to let the um, the story itself get muddled. Absolutely. So it's all these lanes. Some of them are pretty it crappy is. little lanes. I don't know. And it's very cl- unclear where they go and where you put your bets. But right. I guess we have no choice, do we? Inside baseball, like I said. Inside baseball. <laughs> but it is interesting to see how consumers let's see how consumers like them. That's right, because I, they may just say, I don't ah, care about the ad placement, and yeah. I just like that this loads really quickly. Right. Maybe. I don't think they care as much as we think they do. Anyway, Lauren... Thank you so much on that horrible doomed note. Publishing (laughs) is doomed note. Thank you so much, and we welcome you back soon. Thank you. Thanks a lot. For our Enough Said segment today, we're joined by Recode's Mark Bergen to talk about Google's self-driving car initiative, which just got a new CEO. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for having me. Um, So tell me about what's happened here. They've been doing the car for a while, but they have a new, it's a little wrinkle. Yeah, they've been doing the car for a while. I talked to someone today, actually, who was like, well, they've, they've, 
you know, before it was kind of everyone treated it like a toy project. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was still this kind of in the research lab and this fun thing that Sergey was working on. But this is kind of a signal. And they built that, a toy car. They did. Yeah. They built, they have I've about 20, 25 of them um, out there now in California. And they're also out in Texas. And this is kind of another signal that they're getting serious about turning this into a, a proper business. Let's talk about what you mean by self-driving car. Because there's cars that are old cars that are outfitted with self-driving properties where they stick a lot of sensors on them. And right. then there's these new cars. Explain the new cars and what they are. Right. I mean, I think for Google's philosophy is more they want a fully autonomous vehicle where you step in, you press a button, it goes from point A to point B without you right. doing anything. Um, whereas a lot of the car makers and Tesla included are kind of introducing autonomous Which features. What's that? Google has those cars too, those kind of cars uh, too. They have the Lexus, yeah, yeah and you can take over the, the manual, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and but they, they they also have kind of the Koala car, which is mm-hmm. the tiny little clown car, and that one's you know the, the version they built doesn't have a steering wheel, doesn't have brakes. Right, it has um, nothing. It looks like a ride at Disney. Yeah, but they have to. They're required by California law to put in a steering wheel and brakes. So where do you think this is going with this new CEO? Why now and why why someone who's very – explain the guy who got the job. Um, sure. So he's a veteran. He's been around the industry since uh, 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, he spent um, some time at Ford and then he was the, the CEO of Hyundai um, US. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's been – the past few years been in this company called TrueCar. That's a, a digital platform for mm-hmm. um, Car selling. Buying. Right. And, and he has a lot of connections to – um, the car dealerships and the distribution, something that, that Google would need, right? I mean, they, there's, a, I think what's happening now, there's a lot of chatter in the, in the industry about what Apple's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly a lot about what Tesla's doing in the car space. Um, Apple, Apple has a huge advantage over Google in that they have, um, they actually have Apple stores and they have mm-hmm. distribution kind of built in. And they have like a better brand name. Right. Um, where Google doesn't have necessarily the hardware expertise or, or they don't do distribution very well. They mm-hmm. kind of admit that. Um, so in a sense, Google has had a big lead on this, and now everyone else is catching up. Um, so I think there's a little bit of urgency and fire under their feet to actually do something. So what would a CEO do? Why do they need a CEO right now? To build uh, these cars and distribute like they like being like Henry Ford or what? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, thus far they've had Sebastian Thorin was the original, and then Chris Urmson. They're both um, incredibly well-respected engineers. Right. Um, and, and they're engineers. And they're tech guys, and they're not necessarily. They have no kind of background in business. Yeah, I tried to no run background. over Chris once with the yeah. with the self driving car, but it wouldn't hit him. It was a real disappointment for me. Um, and they have. And this is my understanding: is, is is John is now brought on to be a business development to lead the, the business operations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of speculation out there about what it may it may look like. Sort of an Android for autonomous vehicles. Mm-hmm. So Google kind of gives car makers here's your operating here's your system. Kit. Here's right. your kit. Right. Here's your kit. It's free, maybe, or it costs minimal and, and, and brings in all these features. Um, and we just get the data. Right. Um, and what does Google get out besides the data? What is it, what's the end game here? It can't be search in the car or that you use your Android phone more while you text while you are in the car. Yeah, that was, I mean, certainly, you know, you, the more autonomous vehicles, more time to, to use your mm-hmm. internet to search and to, to use that the internet. Be, that's like a long end game there. That's a long end game. Um, there's some theories about kind of maybe per, perhaps around real estate, right? And they have the company Sidewalk Labs. They mm-hmm. found, sorry, this summer about um, fixing city problems. And certainly autonomous vehicles are a, a huge part of the future of cities, is at least how Google and, and Uber and a lot of different companies see that. So do you think, because Google needs a growth area? I mean, at some point, search reaches its yeah. natural yeah, yeah. growth. I think so. Right? I mean, this, you know, they, came, they came out last night when they announced this and said, it's not an alphabet company, so it's not spinning off as it's still part of Google X, mm-hmm. but it could be. And everyone just assumed that it will, at one point, Google right. Auto or Google Car will, and will be And Google X is separate. still within... 
Google X, correct? This is still within Google This X. is still within Google X, which is on their alphabet. Mm-hmm. So it's not its own spin-out alphabet company. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord knows when that's going to happen. Where do you Im- when do you imagine these cars get on the road? I know they're r- driving around. I know they're they're trying various things, and the regulatory issues are yep. vast. The safety issues are vast. Um, there's a lot of things to yeah. But things can change quickly. The issue, like the big issue, is kind of weather, which is in- interesting. Like they they can, they're testing in California partly because they're here, but also because California gives very nice road conditions. But they, mm-hmm. as far as I've heard, the science isn't quite there yet. The cars can't handle a snowstorm. Right. Okay. Um, and the California regulators have been kind of dragging their feet a bit. So it sounds like Google's been talking to other states, possibly mm-hmm. in the By south. By the way, people can't handle the snowstorm, just so you know. Right. Like, just, so you, just so you're aware. But yeah, nonetheless, the cars have to be perfect. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the it was that uh, Google's probably much more ambitious in saying, we'll get this in the year. They've said five years from now. Um, I think Uber is at 15. Others say... 20 to 50. So I mean, what are the key companies right now in this area? Would it be Waze, Google? List them for us. Um, sure. I mean, Google's a clearly a big, big player. Tesla has actually been doing a lot um, and then kind of scaring this the, Elon the car Musk company. This is Elon Musk. Yeah. Um, baking in a lot of autonomous features, and their cars are built to do kind of automatic software updates. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like a phone inside. Mm-hmm. And so they can kind of, with a flip of a switch, they can put on these autonomous driving features. Mm-hmm. Um in the traditional car companies, Honda, last week just got permission to test self-driving cars in California. Um, Toyota just put in, I think, or $50 million for, and just hired a, um, someone to lead up their autonomous driving. Um, Nissan, they, you know, like a lot of the big manufacturers are... So everybody's just, jumping everybody's in, and jumping Apple, in. which is the big question. Well, yeah. So, so, Do you think know, they want to build a car, or is the same thing as Google? Um, you know, I think Apple certainly has ambition. They talked about it, uh, Jeff said at our conference, right? Mm-hmm. Car is an ultimate mobile product, mm-hmm. mobile right. experience. Um, I think Apple wants to design it perfectly, right? Right. And, and put it up on stage. And I, I mean, I, I don't think they have. They would. It doesn't seem like they're not going to have the ambitions of Google, where the the the, via, the car for Google is also a lot of data signals. Right. Um, I don't think that Apple's is as interested in the data signals. They're probably much more interested in the experience. So, last question. Is it a waste of money for all these people? Is this something that Google and Apple should not be doing and leave it to the car makers? Um, I do think that Google is probably a little bit, uh, and they should be afraid of, of Uber in some sense, right? And so, mm-hmm. like, this is a head the reservation it, system, for, right? Yeah, right. That it, that at some point in the future is, you know, um, that this autonomous vehicles will not just transport people but things, and right, there'll be kind of the logistics and transit next network of the future, right? Um, and I think Google clearly wants to be seen as an innovator and to have a leg in on that. So you have to be here. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they, I mean, they've spent enough money and resources on it, they can't just shut it down. Well, they've done a lot of money True. spending that may not be True. lead to things, but still it's nice that someone's doing it. Yeah. Mark, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you for listening. This has been Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. If you like what you've heard, subscribe on iTunes and let us know what you think. Next week in the Red Chair, a very special edition of our podcast, Lena Dunham, the star of the HBO series Girls, and series producer Jenny Connor. They have a lot to say, and some of it's a little controversial. So see you then. This has been Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher. For more hard-hitting interviews with insiders from the worlds of tech, media, and politics, subscribe to Recode Replay on iTunes. Featuring candid conversations with leading voices like Snapchat CEO Evan Spiegel, Uber founder Travis Kalanick, reality star Kim Kardashian, Shark Tank host Mark Cuban, and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, President Obama, and more. They're all on Recode Replay. Thanks for tuning in.